Hi. Before we get into the Virgo episode, I want to contextualize it a little bit. I want to contextualize this whole podcast with a note about the fight to end police violence against Black people. I missed last week's episode, and I'm sorry about that. This episode is actually probably going to be a week and a day late at the rate I'm going. Um, Like a lot of others, I've been swimming in the deep pain of racist violence that keeps emerging over and over again, louder and louder, and I have been swimming in my desire to have that pain finally addressed and my confusion over how to best contribute to that. I was also met with a lesson last week about how acting out of fear and arrogance, and arrogance is usually a co-conspirator with fear in my personality, it's like a control thing, acting out of that fear and arrogance can cause me to be tone deaf and insensitive. I wanted to make sure anything I put out in the future was firmly centered in love of Black life and of Black people, and not in my own ego needs to feel approval or validation that I'm a good person. This podcast is about learning to see yourself in a divine light, learning to marvel at your own beauty and love what you are wholly. I think the invitation to love yourself wholly right now is extremely important. There are many, many reasons for this. To give yourself a way to process all this pain from a place of strength, to deprogram any messages you may be holding on to that the way you talk or where you come from means anything about your value as a person to allow you to be accountable for the pain you cause others. Lack of self-worth is the root of narcissism. It's the hunger to prove we are valuable that allows us to treat others without regard. And so knowing that we are valuable is essential to being accountable. Without the deep certainty that you are whole and inherently valuable, being accountable for your mistakes can be almost impossible. It can feel like admitting you hurt someone invalidates your existence as a person. With self-worth, we can heal from the damage that has been done to us and the damage we've done to others. And I know that astrology gives us a language for understanding the divine beauty of our own souls and of other people's. So I'm continuing with this podcast, and I hope you will let me know what you most need right now so I can try to line up its content with what you need. We are in the middle of an eclipse season that is undoubtedly going to change us forever. I don't believe I'm the best person to guide you through that explicitly, and I'll be linking to a lot more content by Black astrologers and healers I admire in the show notes as I come upon topics I'm not well positioned to outline myself, instead of trying to act like I'm an authority on everything, which, as mentioned, I tend to do when I'm scared. But I can keep on telling you what I love about you through this language. I can keep on creating opportunities for you to see what you love about yourself And my hope is that I can contribute to your getting through this time with your faith and your energy intact, healthy and cared for and accountable and restored and more and more sure of the beauty of who you are. And now we can start the show. It's on my very favorite sign, Virgo. This is True Self, a podcast about seeking to know who we really are using the language of astrology. I'm Laura Sweat. Virgo is the healer of the zodiac, a servant who won't be bossed, a student who won't be taught, 
with an intuition that works tangibly from the gut. Virgo is a mystic who works from what is felt in the body. Virgo continuously scans its environment for more information, refining and refining its understanding of what is happening, which can lead to outsized anxiety and upset stomach. Virgo knows there is knowledge that can only be located inside of us, knowledge no one can teach us that we have to find for ourselves. On today's episode, we're examining the sign of Virgo. We'll ask what qualities of Virgo make it particularly adept at helping others, and how this intelligent and anxious part of our chart can serve us, especially if it shows up prominently in our personalities. And we'll talk about what the sign of Virgo affects in your own life, using your birth chart as a guide. The gut knowledge, healing power, and unsolicited advice of Virgo, today on True Self. I took the time to point out that Virgo is my favorite sign at the top of the podcast because I have known a lot of Virgos who have struggled with their Virgo-ness. There are some Virgos who can see the beauty of their Virgo-ness up front, and there are other Virgos who deal with the anxiety of the sign really prominently and their own perfectionism, and they can feel a little harassed by those qualities. Like they are uh, in some way doomed to constantly see the bad in everything. But that's not the case at all. The Virgo capacity for refining and for perfecting does not have to be experienced as disapproval. But like many beautiful astrological energies, Virgo is very difficult until it is mastered. So Mastery of Virgo looks like an ability to work from your gut intelligence and your gut knowledge and to continually refine what you are understanding in not a very verbal way, actually from your felt experience in your body. When Virgo is very verbal and has a lot of narrative going on, it tends to be much more anxious. When Virgo is very embodied and very connected to the body, it tends to function much better. So that is something to remember if you have prominent Virgo placements in your chart. Although the sign is ruled by Mercury, which is the sign of making meaning, and Virgo is inevitably going to move toward making meaning in what it does, because it is an earth sign, that intelligence is extremely grounded in physical experience. So the less narrative and the more embodied experience of knowledge Virgo can get to, the more functional its ability to refine and perfect is. This embodied physical gut level knowledge is one of the reasons why Virgo is associated with doctors and healers of all kinds because the intelligence can work at this body level and this intuitive understanding of what is true and real. In short, the genius of Virgo is that it can locate the absolute truth of human existence within the human body. It has access to that higher knowledge from tuning in to felt experience, 
which is really cool. <laughs> um, Virgo's complement sign, its sister sign, its perfect opposite is Pisces. And in Pisces, we find higher knowledge in an ethereal way. Through our dreams, we connect to spirit, we get outside of our heads, outside of our bodies. But in Virgo, we go inside to our body of our bodies for that knowledge. We go into our gut. In the tarot, the card that represents the sign of Virgo is the hermit, which is, you know, an old wise man who is simply following the light. Uh, he's holding a lamp in front of him. And that lamp represents the light within that he is following. He's kind of alone and he's on his own journey, but he can continue to follow his own light and that's going to push him in the right direction. The Virgo-Pisces polarity, which is the last polarity we're talking about in this uh, series of the podcast, it is defined by sensitivity. In Pisces, that sensitivity is spiritual and psychic, and in Virgo, that sensitivity is physical. Because Virgo is locating knowledge within the body, the body is very, very sensitive, and particularly the stomach, because Virgo uh, owns the gut-mind connection, gut-brain connection within our bodies. So lots of stomach sensitivity for Virgos, inc- very much including Virgo risings and Virgo moons. In fact, Virgo risings and Virgo moons might feel that body sensitivity uh, more than Virgo suns because the moon and the rising sign have a little more to do with our bodies than the sun sign. And Yeah, so stomach sensitivity, physical sensitivities, food sensitivities of all kinds come in with Virgo, and it's because the body is Virgo's instrument, so it is highly, highly sensitive in the body. So Virgo is service-oriented, but it doesn't report to anyone. In other words, the sign is very driven by being of use, being helpful, but it doesn't accept being bossed around. It's uh, the definition of Virgo, according to some, is a self-owned individual, someone who belongs to no one but themselves. That that's the virgin correlation. Maybe a little uh, archaic in its implications, but nonetheless, Virgo will not take kindly to being given advice from others or being told what to do by other people, but it very much wants to help other people with its advice. It's an analytical, intelligent sign. It has this gut-level knowing, and it wants to be of service. And so the unsolicited advice we can get from Virgo or the intense struggle Virgo can have with itself to stop giving unsolicited advice, also a prominent feature of a Virgo personality. And those of us with Virgos in our lives can do well to remember that they genuinely have an insight and an understanding that can be incredibly useful to us. They might get a little locked into their own perspective sometimes, which is understandable, but listening to advice from a Virgo is generally a good idea, even if you're a little bit frustrated at being told how to live your life. And when we think about how Virgo shows up in our charts, we also can find this gut-level wisdom and 
analytical intelligence of Virgo in that part of our chart so we can tap into our Virgo-ness, our own Virgo-ness in this part of our lives, which can give us really valuable information when we know where to locate Virgo. And if you have a Virgo moon or a Virgo sun or a Virgo rising or a Virgo mercury, you have even deeper access to this gut level knowledge and intelligence that can steer you in the right direction over and over and over again when you tune in to what your body is telling you. And I do feel the need to point out here, since I've said we should listen to advice from Virgos, the inverse point, which is that it's obvious when you think about this talent of listening to the inner voice that the best use of our Virgoness is actually for ourselves. And once we've we've followed the inner light towards our own truth, then we can take up being of service to other people. But generally, when Virgo is really externalizing its inner knowledge and trying to give it to other people instead of using it for itself, that can be uh, negative. Overall, one of the best remedies to Virgo anxiety is using gut knowledge for yourself and learning how to serve yourself before you try to help somebody else. Like uh, put your own oxygen mask on first before you try to help your neighbor kind of situation. So let's talk about what Virgo means in your own life using your birth chart as a guide. If you'd like to use a worksheet to help you follow along with this part of the podcast, you can visit my website for the worksheet (laughs) and the show notes. It's 8th.house, that's numeral 8, T-H dot H-O-U-S-E. As a reminder, you can listen to this part of the podcast for your rising sign or your sun sign. If you know your rising sign, I would recommend you listen to the reading for that. That is uh, traditionally what an astrologer would do if they were looking at your chart. If you don't know your rising sign, you can listen for your sun sign, or you can just listen for whatever sign you want to listen for. Anyway, here we go. We're going to start with Virgo and Virgo rising. Virgo characterizes the first house of your chart, which is about your identity, your sense of self, how you are perceived, and how you come into situations. So the traits people probably associate with you our intelligence. Virgo is often perceived first and foremost as very bright, perhaps a little shyness. Uh, There are a lot of people who associate the sign of Virgo with modesty, which I respectfully disagree with. I don't think Virgos are usually very modest, at least about their opinions. And I think that might be sort of generations of cultural projections about virgins we've put onto the sign. But they can be very hesitant to assert themselves. So I think what's much more common than a Virgo who's not quite sure their opinions are valid, which I think is very rare, is a Virgo who's quite sure their opinions are valid, but is not very comfortable asserting those opinions. So that can be a trait. Of course, if you have a little more fire in your chart, or even if you have more water in your chart, which can make you a little more emotionally connected to other people, a little more compelling in your arguments, those things can kind of mitigate that impact. So I think shyness can show up in Virgo. I don't think that it always shows up in Virgo. There's also perfectionism, 
and orientation toward the body and health and wellness. And we often find a lot of musical indicators in Virgo and also in Gemini. The Mercury-ruled signs uh, tend to have a real gravitation towards music and making music and expressing themselves in that way because of Mercury's quality of making meaning. A Virgo rising has a life that's quite driven by finding meaningful work. That's kind of the destiny of a Virgo rising is a way to use who they are in their work, in their job. And a Virgo rising comes into situations driven by understanding, being able to materially understand what is happening. As we mentioned earlier in the episode, I guess as I mentioned earlier in the episode, that can look like a deep gut intuitive understanding that a Virgo rising comes into a situation with, or sometimes it can be a very thinky, very verbal analysis of a situation, which is likely to be a more anxious Virgo. There's not any major transits coming up in Virgo, but Virgo does square both Gemini and Sagittarius, meaning that it has a familial but tense relationship with both Gemini and Sagittarius. Uh, It's a mutable sign, so it understands the essential character of Gemini and Sagittarius, but Virgo's Earth nature sort of elementally conflicts with air in Gemini and fire in Sagittarius. And so when Gemini and Sagittarius placements come up, when transits come up, it creates tension with Virgo. And that's what Virgo placements are going to be experiencing primarily over the next couple of years as the North and South Node move through Gemini and Sagittarius, and we have all these eclipses in Sagittarius. They're going to set off a tension, a conflict for Virgo placements every time we have an eclipse in those signs. And that's not a bad thing. It's actually often the source of a lot of creative juice and movement in a person's life to have squares being set off as they will be with these Gemini and Sagittarius eclipses, but we shouldn't expect it to be comfortable. It's generally uncomfortable to experience that tension, and that discomfort is what leads to the creative opportunity. So as we've covered in previous episodes, for a Virgo-Virgo rising, the eclipses are actually happening in the house of family and origins, the fourth house, which is Sagittarius, and the house of career, the 10th house, which is Gemini. But that is setting off conflicts and tension in the sense of identity. So although the portals are opening up for Virgo, Virgo rising in their home and family, their sense of their origins and their career, the tension is going to be felt in the sense of self as we go through these eclipses. All right, if you're a Leo or Leo rising, Virgo characterizes your second house of self-worth and value. So we see here that little half-step difference between the first house and the second house that can be kind of disconcerting, where 
the Leo identity is really based in this celebration of self, this fiery joy in being who we are. And then the sense of self-worth and value can come in in the Leo's capacity to analyze and understand a situation to be able to process it and get its meaning in that Virgo um, intellectual way. So when a Leo is having challenges with their identity, their sense of self, they... (laughs) I'm sorry, my cat. Excuse me for a moment. Appropriate that she came in during the Leo section. Okay, she's in my lap now purring. So when a Leo is feeling challenged in their sense of self-worth, they can feel like they're not smart enough, right? Virgo is so associated with our intelligence. So Leo being challenged in sense of self-worth and value can really be struggling to see people valuing its intelligence. Whereas a Leo who's hanging with a strong sense of self-worth and value is going to be tapped into its gut-knowing tapped into its body and how it finds the truth within, um, tapped into the inner light and uh, sees that value reflected to them, sees that people value them um, in their intelligence and in their ability to find the truth within themselves. So for Leo and Leo rising, the Virgo conflict that gets set off by the Gemini-Sagittarius eclipse cycle is happening in this sense of self-worth and value. So the eclipse is opening doors, the eclipses are opening doors in the Leo, Leo risings, 5th and 11th houses. So the big shifts are happening in the Leo's sense of creativity and self-expression and in their social circles, but there is a conflict happening in the sense of self-worth, the Virgo, um, as those eclipses are going down. These conflicts can be uncomfortable, but they are creatively productive. They help us uh, get moving, basically. When we're talking about locating our own Virgo intelligence, our own gut knowing our own light and our ability to follow it, the Leo can find that in their sense of self-worth and value. So they can tap into Virgo knowing when they're in their sense of their own worth and their own value. I hope that makes sense. Okay, so for Cancer and Cancer Rising, Virgo characterizes your third house of day-to-day communication, as well as your sibling relationships and the people in your extended family. The third house is a cadent house, meaning that it's less prominent in our personality, meaning that a cancer, cancer rising is not going to be as visibly Virgo as some people, but it's still a part of who we are, especially if you have placements there. So, A Virgo third house, Virgo characterizing the third house for Cancer, Cancer Rising, means that in their day-to-day communications, the people they talk to every day, the places they go on a regular basis, the grocery store, the bank, the 
the people they chat with at the water cooler, that kind of stuff. They're perceived in a little more uh, virgoic way. They might be perceived as very bright in these um, interactions. They might be perceived even as perfectionist or, I don't like the way I pronounce that, but perfectionist um, and analytical and thoughtful and even a little bit shy. Those are ways that the people in the day-to-day sort of loop of cancer might perceive the cancer. Also, relationships with siblings can be defined by these Virgoic traits. So the cancer, cancer rising may frequently be advising their siblings or trying to uh, share their inner knowledge with the siblings. For the Cancer, Cancer Rising, that inner light of Virgo is accessible through this part of their chart, which means in sort of a mysterious way, the people that the Cancer talks to every day, those daily relationships and communications, the places that they go every day, hold a deep wisdom, an inner knowledge for the Cancer. They can tap into something that is deeply true through those relationships and uh, find where they need to go. And that very much includes sibling relationships and it includes um, the extended family as well. For Cancer and Cancer Rising, the Gemini-Sagittarius eclipse cycle is affecting their 12th houses and 6th houses, the house of the unseen the connection to the collective unconscious in Gemini and the house of daily habits and our job and how we show up to service in Sagittarius. So that's, those are the areas where these new worlds are opening up for cancer, but that's going to set off conflicts in this third house in something about the way that the cancer communicates their day-to-day conversations or their siblings, their extended family. So those conflicts can be uncomfortable. They likely will be uncomfortable, but they're also the source of some creative juice for change in our lives. If you're a Gemini or Gemini rising, Virgo characterizes your fourth house of home, family, and origins. So This means that the early childhood of the Gemini, Gemini rising, was characterized by some sense of, in some cases, perfectionism or um, sort of obsessive attention to detail. In other cases, perhaps for our lucky Gemini and Gemini risings, the childhood was characterized by a sense of order and by uh, perhaps a parent being very tuned into what is true, able to find what is true. Um, Often we can look at the fourth house as being kind of the root of the chart. So everything sort of springs out of the fourth house. So as Gemini sees Virgo characterizing its early childhood, 
Um, the intelligence of Virgo, I think, especially characterizing its early childhood, which per- with perhaps a little more anxiety and perfectionism and attentiveness than necessarily shows up in the looser Gemini personality. Um, you can you can just see Gemini springing from that Virgo root. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we'll talk about your Pisces tenth house next week, but that also springs from the Virgo root. So with Gemini and Gemini rising, the Virgo fourth house of home, family, and origins is going to be experiencing some kind of big conflict or friction as we go through the Gemini Sagittarius eclipse cycle. So the Gemini Sagittarius eclipse cycle is huge for Gemini. It's affecting Gemini's sense of self and their identity and also the way that they relate to partners and have intimate relationships. It, that's the Gemini and Sagittarius part, but that's setting off a conflict, some kind of difficulty with the Virgo part of their charts, which is their home, family, and origins. And so the Gemini can expect that as these new things are being uncovered in their sense of self and in their partnerships, they're experiencing conflict, pressure, friction in their sense of where they come from in their home, with their family. That is going to be the one of the eclipse tensions that's emerging for Gemini, Gemini rising through this eclipse cycle. The other one will be in Pisces in the career, which we'll talk about next episode. If you are a Taurus or Taurus rising, Virgo characterizes your fifth house of creativity, sexuality, and self-expression, and children. So a Virgo fifth house means a creativity that can be fairly grounded, also that looks for opportunities to serve, also that is musical, as I mentioned in the Virgo rising section. Virgo can be a very musical energy, so the Taurus rising with the Virgo fifth house can be very moved to express themselves through music or even to sort of receive creative inspiration from music, although I recognize that is a fairly general statement. But the creativity is kind of governed by the traits of Virgo, and that can be a perfectionist impulse. It can also be a kind of color-coding, helping people out impulse. So, for example, I find with my Virgo fifth house as a Taurus rising that I love creating worksheets and making things that are going to help people understand something, that can be a very Virgoic fifth house expression. And then when we think about the ways that this can apply to children, where children show up in our fifth house, the Taurus rising may have a perfecting impulse toward their children or toward creative projects. That can be a difficult part of having the Virgo fifth house is that um, we want to perfect our creativity and perfection is often the enemy of creativity, whether we're talking about a creative project or a child. It's rarely helpful to be perfectionist in our approach to our creations. But going back to what we said about Virgo earlier in the episode, Virgo is not just perfecting. In its highest resonance, it is 
the ability to tap into your deepest truth. And so this is where a Virgo fifth house can be very cool, where Taurus finds its inner light is in its creativity, in its self-expression, in its sexuality, and in its children. And so you can come back when we can approach the Virgo part of our charts with that willingness to tap into what we know at a gut level, to experience things in our bodies instead of um, narrating them so much, then Taurus really has a capacity to find its Virgo wisdom, follow its inner light in the realm of what it creates in whatever way that that shows up. For Taurus and Taurus rising, the Gemini Sagittarius eclipses are setting off the second and the eighth house. The second house of self-worth and value is Gemini. The eighth house of birth, death, and transformation is Sagittarius. And that is where the big changes of these eclipses are going to be happening for Taurus and Taurus rising. But we are setting off conflicts and challenges and friction, uncomfortable discord in the area of our creative projects and also I keep saying creative projects our creations I should say which very much includes our children so that conflict is going to be lighting up as we experience these changes in our sense of our own worth and value and in the way that we transform and grow and heal um we're gonna be feeling tension and difficulty in this creative part of our lives as we go through the eclipses. That tension and difficulty is productive. It leads us to the next step, the next thing we need to do, but it is uncomfortable. If you're in Aries or Aries rising, Virgo characterizes your sixth house of service, of daily habits that lead to health outcomes, like the way you eat, the way you exercise, whether or not you engage in unhealthy things on a daily basis, like smoking. And the sixth house's association with service is also going to point toward your employment a lot of the time. So your job is where you show up to be of service to somebody. So you see your day-to-day work environment reflected in your sixth house not your career which is your tenth house that's sort of the fruit of your existence on this planet the sixth house is your job and it's what you are in service to so the sixth house is another cadent house this is a house that's probably showing up less prominently in your personality as an Aries or Aries rising and you might not be as sort of aware of it as a component of your personality, but it means that in your job, you're probably perceived as someone who is analytical and ready to show up and do the work. You know, it's kind of like a a diligence that you can find in the Aries sixth house that you can associate with Virgo. And also that in your daily habits and the way that you sort of approach your habit formation, you might be very analytical and um, in the least, the less positive incarnation of this, 
you might be very anxious about uh, the way that your health is going, your habits, that kind of stuff. In a more positive incarnation, you have that capacity to tap into the Virgo inner knowledge and inner knowing when it comes to how you're taking care of your body, how you're taking care of your health. For Aries and Aries rising, the eclipses in Gemini and Sagittarius are happening in your third house of day-to-day communication, that's Gemini, and your ninth house of higher knowledge and spiritual growth, that's Sagittarius. The eclipses are going to be opening up new doors, changing those parts of your life. But that shift is going to set off conflicts in this work environment, day-to-day habit formation, health um, area of your life. So there might be, there will be tensions, difficulties, friction when it comes to your health and your habits and your work environment. And that friction is ultimately productive um, and it leads to the outcomes that happen in your third and ninth houses of, you know, spiritual growth and uh, day-to-day communication, but it is uncomfortable. So that's what's happening for everybody in Virgo. So no need to worry about it. It's actually um, less prominent because it's a cadent house for Aries and Aries rising than it is for many people, but you can, you can still expect to experience that friction, even if it is less prominent. Okay, if you're a Pisces or Pisces rising, Virgo represents and characterizes your seventh house of intimate partnerships and one-to-one relationships. As we've discussed in previous episodes, the seventh house is not only the characteristics and traits that we look for in a partner feel sort of completed by in a partner. It's also the part of our own polarity, our own axis of meaning that we identify with the least. So for a Pisces, Pisces rising, this Pisces Virgo axis of meaning in understanding, the Pisces identifies more with the spiritual understanding end of that, the spiritual sensitivity, the reaching up to higher planes part of it. And the Pisces, Pisces rising identifies less with the material, grounded, embodied experience of understanding and embodied uh, sensitivity, physical sensitivity that we find in Virgo. So Pisces is looking for, in its partners, it's looking for practical, grounded knowledge and an intuition that is steady in the world, present in the world, not kind of floating off into the ether like Pisces. And the Pisces is looking for a partner that understands their sensitivity, but also has the groundedness to kind of contain them and hold them in their watery emotion. One thing that can come up with this combination can be um, if if a Virgo type is very uh, in the critical part of Virgo 
and a Pisces type is very sensitive. There can be uh, something challenging going on there where the emotional sensitivity of Pisces can get kind of escalated by the critical eye of Virgo. But when this combination is working well, Pisces waters Virgo, it brings Virgo the sensitivity and the gentleness that Virgo needs, and Virgo brings the groundedness and the sort of presence in the material world that Pisces needs, and they're both very sensitive, and they both have access to this higher knowledge, Pisces through its ethereal mind and its emotion, and Virgo through its body and its connection to the material plane. And so it can be a super beautiful spiritual combination, the Pisces and the Virgo traits. To be clear, this doesn't mean that you have to end up with a Virgo if you're a Pisces or a Pisces rising. It just means that those traits that end up sort of completing your uh, sensitive self uh, need to have those Virgo traits of being grounded and also being respectful of sensitivity in the way that Virgo can be. That being said, I think the highest wisdom of our seventh house is that we actually contain those traits kind of as part of our shadow self of the seventh house. We just don't identify with them very much. And so Pisces can find its own connection to the inner light through its body, which can really balance out a Pisces and help them to become grounded in their own right without looking to the partner to provide that groundedness. They can look to find the truth in their own body uh, on their own if they need to. So for Pisces and Pisces rising, the Eclipses of the Gemini Sagittarius eclipse cycle are happening in the fourth and tenth houses, the Gemini fourth house of home, origins, and family, and the Sagittarius tenth house of career and reputation in the world. So the big changes of the next couple years are happening in the part of the Pisces chart that is about their home and family and their career. But they're going to be experiencing tensions. Uh, in this Virgo seventh house, there's some kind of conflict that emerges for the Pisces, a challenge that's not easy to solve, a friction that's going on in not only the the partnerships, but also in the sense of identity, which we'll get to a little more next week. Those challenges are constructive. They help move us into the shifts that are happening in our home family and origins and our, our career they can provide creative juice, but they are uncomfortable. Everybody is dealing with that with their Virgo house as we go through these eclipse cycles. But for Pisces and Pisces rising, because this is your seventh house, which is a prominent one, you know, that conflict is a little more obvious, a little more clear the way it shows up. If you're an Aquarius or Aquarius rising, Virgo characterizes your eighth house of birth, death, and transformation. Now, this can mean that the healing mode of Aquarius really has a profound need to be grounded and embodied. In other words, you know, Aquarius can be 
very intellectual. That is its birthright. <laughs> they get to be intellectual, Aquariuses. But when they are going through a healing, transformative time, they have to find a way to come into their body and be connected to what is happening physically. That's going to be the the place where they can most easily go to to experience their deep transformations in life where they have to leave an old self behind and come into a new self. It also means that Aquarius can access this deep inner wisdom, this ability to follow the inner light of Virgo in these challenging periods of life where they experience big transformations and big growth and when they have to shed a skin and let go of an old self. The upcoming, well, current Gemini Sagittarius eclipse cycle is going to be affecting the Aquarius's 11th house of social circle and community that's characterized by Gemini and its fifth house of creativity, sexuality, children, creative expression generally. And so the big doors that open up, the big shifts that take place are happening in the Aquarius's social circle, the way it is part of a community, and in its creativity. But in Virgo, in the eighth house, Aquarius is going to experience friction in the way that it sheds a skin and becomes a new person. Some kind of conflict is coming up there, as well as in the Pisces second house, which we will get to in the next episode. All this means is that changes in one part of the chart are always going to set off uh, different kinds of energetic relationships with parts of the other chart, other parts of the chart. So for an Aquarius, the friction gets set off in the way that they heal and in Virgo and then in their sense of self-worth. So that friction is fine. It's got creative potential to it. It's part of what moves us into the next chapter of our lives, but that is going to be a challenge the Aquarius can expect through the Gemini Sagittarius eclipse cycle as they experience those big changes in their social circle and in their creative expression. If you're a Capricorn or Capricorn rising, Virgo characterizes your ninth house of spiritual growth, higher knowledge, expansion, and travel. This means that a Capricorn grows and learns and becomes a larger, more expanded version of themselves through Virgo intelligence, through analysis, through taking information and sorting through it, and through, in the best case, this gut knowledge where they can follow their inner light and know what is true and find that within themselves and not try to look outside of themselves. That's how Capricorn accesses its greatest growth um, and its sort of highest knowledge potential. Interestingly, because we associate the ninth house with travel and also with higher education, Capricorn can also access that Virgo intelligence, that that inner light through travel and through um, literally going to school, 
getting advanced degrees, that kind of stuff. That can be what allows Capricorn to make contact with its deepest truth um, in this embodied Virgo way within, within the body. For Capricorn and Capricorn rising, the Sagittarius Gemini eclipses have been setting off, uh, changes have been setting off, will be setting off, um, changes in the 12th house, which is the house of the connection to the unseen, the karmic past, the collective unconscious, and the 6th house, which is day-to-day habits and service. Those are the big changes that are being indicated for Capricorn through this eclipse cycle. And they're cadent houses, which means uh, the eclipse cycle, if you don't look at anything else than a Capricorn's chart, just the fact that they're a Capricorn might mean it's a little less intense for them than it is for some people. Although that 12th house eclipse, I don't know how strongly I agree with that, but at least that it's less obvious than it is for some people. We can say that. Um, But we still experience it, even if it's happening in a part of our chart that is less visible. So... The tension is coming up in Virgo and Pisces, and the Virgo part of the Capricorn chart, as we've mentioned, is this spiritual growth, expansion, travel part of the Capricorn's life. So for a Capricorn, they can expect to experience tensions through this eclipse cycle, friction or challenges that aren't easy to solve in this realm of their own spiritual growth and their travel and their higher education and knowledge. Uh, That friction for all of us is productive. It moves us to the next thing, but it is also uncomfortable. Again, for our cardinal signs, that is a little less prominent than it is for some people, but it still is there. It's there for all of us. All right, if you are a Sagittarius or a Sagittarius rising, Virgo characterizes your 10th house of career and reputation, how people receive your existence in the world. So your first house is how you're perceived by people generally. Your 10th house is how you're perceived in your career, in the mark you leave on the world. And having Virgo define your 10th house means that there is some association with service, with being of service in the way that the Sagittarius is perceived in their career. Also, perhaps of the Virgo intelligence, that Virgo intelligence is showing up in the way that the Sagittarius is seen and in their reputation, and perhaps even um, analytical nature, um, you know, all the Virgo stuff. (laughs) It can even be, even though we don't associate this with the Sagittarius personality, there can even be a little of that Virgo shyness showing up in the way that the Sagittarius forms their reputation. But I think that centrally and most importantly, the Virgo sense of service and of being of service to the world is what defines this Sagittarius 10th house of reputation and career. And also, the Sagittarius can locate that Virgo inner light and the ability to follow uh, their internal knowledge and the wisdom of their body. They can locate that in their career, in their reputation and how they show up in the world. So there's kind of a unique um, 
relationship of Sagittarius to this part of their life in that they can access some of their deepest wisdom when it comes to the way they're showing up in the world and their reputation and their career. The Sagittarius-Gemini eclipse cycle over the next several years is going to be affecting Sagittarius very deeply. It's going to be affecting the Sagittarius sense of identity as well as their partnerships, which is the Gemini part of the chart. The friction points are going to be in Virgo and Pisces. So when you experience friction through this eclipse cycle in the Virgo part of your chart, that friction is going to be showing up in your career and your reputation. It's going to be creating difficult challenges and not easily solvable problems in that part of your life. And ultimately, that is productive. It allows you to achieve the changes that are being indicated by the eclipses in your first and your seventh houses, your identity and your partnerships. The friction is part of the deal and everybody's going to feel it. But because you're a mutable sign, it is going to be a little more prominent for you. It's going to be much more prominent for you. All of these changes will be as we go through the Gemini Sagittarius eclipse cycle. If you're a Scorpio or a Scorpio rising, Virgo characterizes your 11th house of community and social circle and how you fit into a social circle. This can mean that you find a lot of Virgos or Virgo-like people in your social circle. It can mean that your social circle is sort of defined by the intelligence of Virgo, by the musicality of Virgo, by the embodied sort of groundedness of Virgo. Again, our water signs are often looking for earth signs to hold them and contain them. And so the Scorpio water kind of looks for the Virgo earth as its containment. Scorpio is attracted to the groundedness of Virgo that shows up in this analytical, thoughtful way and intelligent way. Scorpio can access its deep Virgo intelligence in its social circle and the way that it shows up to community. So when Scorpio can tap into what it knows to be true in its body, in the way that it is in relationship to a group, it gets to access that good Virgo knowledge um, of itself. Scorpio might be sort of particularly called to access its gut level knowledge in its social circle and its community. So for Scorpio, the Gemini Sagittarius eclipse cycle is happening in the mm-hmm, yep, second and eighth houses of self-worth. Well, let's start with the eighth uh, of birth, death, and transformation, which is characterized by Gemini for Scorpio, and then of self-worth and value, which is characterized by Sagittarius for Scorpio. So that's where the big shifts are happening, is in the way the Scorpio values themselves and the way that they shed their skin and become a new version of themselves, that's where the eclipses are located. But those eclipses are going to be squaring the Virgo and Pisces part of everybody's chart. And for Scorpio, that 
Virgo square or tension or friction is going to come up in the social circle. So as these shifts are initiated and happening in the sense of self-worth and value and the ability to grow and change and heal, the Scorpio is experiencing some kind of friction that's hard to resolve in their social circle and their community. That friction is ultimately helpful. It moves us to the next place that we're going, but it is uncomfortable. And again, you are not alone in experiencing it. Literally every sign is going to experience tension in the Virgo and Pisces part of their chart. All right. Finally, if you are a Libra or a Libra rising, Virgo characterizes your 12th house of the unseen, the karmic past, and the connection to the collective unconscious. The 12th house is a difficult house for us to understand. It represents a part of our chart that is difficult for us to access and sort of out of our conscious understanding. And it also represents uh, what we can think of as kind of the code of our personalities, like the ones and zeros that make up what ends up showing up in our first house in our identities. So when we think about the Libra personality of being concerned with diplomacy and negotiating between people's needs and making sure that justice is served, we can go back to the Virgo that's in the back of the Libra's mind and the Virgo wants to be of service and it is analyzing and understanding things through its its gut looking inward to find the truth. And then that Virgo-ness, the orientation towards service and inner light ends up showing up in the Libra rising personality as diplomacy, harmony, and justice. So you don't need to spend too much time thinking about that. Uh, your 12th house is just not going to be something that's easy to understand. But as we go through the Sagittarius-Gemini eclipse cycle of the next couple years, this part of your chart, your unconscious, is going to be experiencing friction. A Libra will be experiencing big changes in the Sagittarius and Gemini parts of their chart, which are the third house of daily communication and the ninth house of spiritual growth, but they're going to be experiencing friction in the Virgo and Pisces parts of their chart, which are the 12th house of the unseen and the sixth house of daily habits and service and our jobs, which we'll talk about more next episode. But when it comes to the 12th house tension Libra is going to be experiencing, there's really a need to just accept that you're going to be having some unconscious conflict coming up through this eclipse cycle and just roll with it and don't try to analyze it too much. On top of that, it can be helpful to remember for Libra and Libra rising that they access this deep intuitive Virgo knowing and inner light in the depths of their unconscious. So for Libra, paying attention to dreams, uh, being tuned into kind of the weird coincidences that happen around you, that kind of stuff, that can give you access to that deep Virgo knowledge. And I think uh, specifically where stuff starts showing up in your body, like 
health stuff that emerges that can really point the Libra towards the things that they most need to know. And that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Please do drop me a note about what you're feeling you most need in terms of tuning in to who you really are and learning to love that person that better. That really is what I want to be super focused on at this moment in time is giving you the best that I can give you in that department. So let me know if you have thoughts on what you can most use for this podcast. The format's going to be changing to more of an advice and current transit format, Matt, after we get through all of the signs, which is going to be after next week. So uh, it's an opportunity for me to really um, play with the way that the podcast is structured. So drop me a line and let me know what you think. If you've asked me for advice, I have that coming up um, in those episodes as I shift the format. And um, I hope that you are very well taken care of at this moment and that you can find ways to be okay at a time when things are profoundly not okay. All right. I will talk to you next week.